So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Queen of the Damned, I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. the world I created, there is no cure. Those characters are dead and their bodies are being animated and transformed by a spirit that comes from without. And there's no turning back for them. The only thing they can do is switch bodies, which Lestat did in the tale of the body thief. He can change bodies with a mortal and go into that mortal's body, but he found that to be something he didn't want to do. I mean, after doing it, he really wanted to be a vampire and wanted to be dead. And he went back and had to admit all that to himself. He had to stop romanticizing human life. But I admire these other fictions. But for me, I was never able to work out any sense of a cure. In fact, it seemed it was important to my world that there was no cure, that there was no going back, and that the horror of of immortality was that you might never get the courage to give it up, to find out what was on the other side of death. In middle school, I remember stealing Anne Rice novels from my mom's bookshelf and just devouring them. I read them when I felt particularly ostracized from my family or awkward in school. With her books, you could escape to this sexy, vampiric New Orleans world. They were indulgent, erotic, horrifying, and awesome. Naturally, I had a lot of feelings on December 11th, 2021, when Anne Rice died. So I did some digging into her life, finding it far more incredible, tragic, and dramatic than I had ever thought. Today, we're walking through the bizarre, amazing, gothically modern life of author Anne Rice. Many lives, really. You will see. Anne Rice was born Howard Allen Francis O'Brien on October 4th, 1941. Yes, her legal name was actually Howard Allen Francis. This is our starting point. There are two explanations for why Anne Rice was named Howard Allen. A biography said it was her dad's idea, but Rice herself said it was her mom's idea. In Anne's own words about her mother, she says, She was a bit of a bohemian, a bit of a madwoman, a bit of a genius, and a great deal of a great teacher. And she had the idea that naming a woman Howard was going to give that woman an unusual advantage in the world. She's not wrong. Pretty perceptive for 1941, I'd say. However, that changed on her first day of school when a nun asked Anne what her name was. She replied with the prettiest name she knew, which was Anne. Her mother, who was with her at the time, was cool with it, knowing how self-conscious her daughter was of her birth name. So from that day on, everyone called her Howard Anne, and her name was legally changed in 1940. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So Howard Anne Allen Francis O'Brien was born in New Orleans, the second of four daughters to working-class Irish Catholic parents who enjoyed creativity but wouldn't call themselves a part of it. Rice's dad was a Navy veteran and her mom was a homemaker who struggled with alcoholism. And Anne grew up in this kind of Catholic, Gothic existence in mid-century New Orleans, just like her books. The family lived with Rice's maternal grandmother, who kept the household together as Anne's father did tours and her mother tried to maintain sobriety. They lived close to the church, and that was a huge influence on Anne and her family, the church being representative of structure, rule-following, spiritualism, and support. 
Rice was confirmed in Catholic Church when she was 12 years old and took the full name Howard Allen Francis Alphonsus Lingori O'Brien, adding the names of a saint and of an aunt who was a nun. Quote, I was honored to have my aunt's name, she said, but it was my burden and joy as a child to have strange names. When Anne was 15, her mother died as a result of alcoholism, and the young O'Brien sisters were put into St. Joseph Academy, a kind of punishing prep school. Rice describes St. Joseph's as a dilapidated, awful, medieval type of place. I really hated it and wanted to leave. I felt betrayed by my father. In November 1957, Anne's father remarried and moved the whole family to Texas. There, Anne met her future husband, Stan Rice, in a high school journalism class. Anne graduated in 1959 and went to Texas Women's University for college. Her second year, she transferred to North Texas State College, and then she dropped out entirely when she ran out of money. Unable to find a job, penniless, and wanting desperately to be a writer, Anne moved to the Haight-Ashbury District of San Francisco, finding work as an insurance claims processor. Soon she began taking night courses at the University of San Francisco, an all-male Jesuit school that only allowed women to take night courses. Her literary influences included whom you might expect, Charles Dickens, Shakespeare, the Bronte sisters, Virginia. Virginia Woolf, and Stephen King, of course. In fact, Anne repeatedly returned to Firestarter when she felt the need for a jumpstart, saying, I study the novel Firestarter whenever I'm blocked. Reading the first few pages helps to get me going. For Easter vacation that year, Anne returned home to Texas, re-meeting Stan Rice, and the two started dating. After Anne returned to San Francisco, Stan came for a week-long whirlwind visit, and it was romantic. So much so that not long after, Anne received a letter from Stan Rice proposing to her. They married on October 14, 1961, in Denton, Texas, just after Anne turned 20 years old. Stan was also a writer himself, and was weeks away from turning 19. The very young newlyweds made their home in the middle of San Francisco in the 60s, and although Anne had been there for a minute, it was a culture shock, to say the least. I'm a totally conservative person, Anne, now Anne Rice, later told the New York Times. In the middle of Haight-Ashbury in the 1960s, I was typing away while everyone was dropping acid and smoking grass. I was known as my own square. Keeping with her squarishness, Rice graduated with her BA in political science in 1964 and had a daughter named Michelle, but who everyone called Mouse. Anne then became a PhD candidate at the University of California, Berkeley, but quit, saying, I wanted to be a writer, not a literature student. But before Anne Rice becomes a literary powerhouse, let's take a break. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. 
Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hi, hello, how are you? Hello. Hello. We're at the check-in. This is the check-in point. It's no pressure. The point of check-in. So, you can do whatever you want here. But this would be a great time to look inward. Yeah. We won't. No, <laughs> never, That's never. why we're doing this podcast, Ooh, to ugh. avoid looking inward. No, thank you. No, thank you. But you do it, and tell me how it is. We would like to say hello to anyone who's listening, anyone who supports the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Anyone who's a patron. Mm-hmm. And of course, to our beloved government. We have to thank them. They're our world. I don't know. Like I, if I had a, posters of them on my wall, mm-hmm. I would, would high five. You know, I maybe give like a you kiss your hand and put it on the poster as you walk out of the room. Oh no! I just do a full blown poster makeout. No. You wanted to high. Fi- you just said you want to high five them. I want to get my saliva all over that poster so it weathers it and and warps it, and so my parents wonder what I'm doing in there. My self esteem is so low that I am afraid they'd be like, "Nah," and I'm like, "I don't know. A poster can talk." <laughs> no, no, yeah. that's sad. That's slow. We want to say hello to our mayors. We got a little Dar Rosenzweig. Hello. A little Ashley Matson. Hello. David Bull. Hello. James Harrington. Hello. Our one and only governor, Avian Noble. So if you like bonus episodes, we'll have a new bonus episode up right now. Yeah. So go to Patreon. It's up right now. Ooh. A little Christmassy one. Ooh. A little fun. Get your blood pumping. Ad-free, no chit-chat. You can go back if you want to listen to old episodes and not have any chit-chat, no ads. Mm. Patreon.com slash ghost town pod. Helps out the show. Saves you a lot of time. Time is money. That's right. And but money is money too. I money guess. is also money, I guess, but so. but uh, t- time is valuable too. Yeah. And as this trails off, maybe we should go back to yeah. New Orleans. No, I, I say New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah, I've been. I was there for a week. But let's get back to New Orleans, as Jason said. Or first, let's stop in San Francisco. So Anne and Stan Rice, yes, Anne and Stan Rice, both enrolled in San Francisco State and got master's degrees in creative writing. Stan would move on to teach and then chair the School of Creative Writing there. While her parents were still in grad school, Mouse was diagnosed with acute granulocytic leukemia, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, and died in 1972, just before her sixth birthday. Of course, Anne was heartbroken. Grappling with grief, Rice took one of her old, discarded short stories and turned it into her first novel which was initially rejected by publishers. Still, the timeless, sexy, sensitive portrayal of New Orleans vampires could not be denied, and Interview with the Vampire was published by Knopf on a $12,000 advance. It was, of course, a massive hit. I really got into the character, she told the New York Times in 1988. For the first time, I was able to describe my reality, the dark, gothic influence on my childhood. It's not fantasy for me. My childhood came to life for me. During writing of the book, unfortunately, Rice developed obsessive-compulsive disorder. She became obsessed with germs, hand-washing, and contamination. She was paranoid and would obsessively check locks on doors, windows. Realizing this and, and how the process of writing affected her, she realized she needed to examine herself as a writer and a mother. Anne began treatment for OCD and became sober. In 1978, the Rices had another child, a son named Christopher. So what do you do after you write a huge best-selling hit? She went on to write two historical novels, The Feast of All Saints and Cry to Heaven, and three erotic novels, The Claiming of Sleeping Beauty's Punishment and Beauty's Release, under the pseudonym A.N. Rokalor, and two more, Exit to Eden and Belinda, under the pseudonym Anne Rampling. 
and then hit up the vampire genre again with a follow-up to interview the vampire called The Vampire Lestat and The Queen of the Damned, which also became bestsellers. The Rices moved back to New Orleans and kept writing books for what she now called the Vampire Chronicles series, which became 10 novels about Lestat and his vampire crew. She also wrote five other books during this time, and in 2000 appears in an episode of The Real World New Orleans, which is very funny. After this, Anne begins having gastrointestinal health issues and falls into a coma, later determined to be caused by diabetic ketoacidosis and nearly dies. Later, she's diagnosed with diabetes. After this experience, all of these health effects coming together as one, the staunchly atheistic Anne Rice embraces Catholicism again in a pretty zealous way. But not before she nearly dies again from an intestinal blockage, solidifying her return to Catholicism in full swing. Years later, her husband Stan Rice passes away, her son moves to San Francisco to pursue his own burgeoning writing career, while promoting her newest book, Christ the Lord, out of Egypt, you can see where the religion comes in, Rice announced that she would now use her life and talent of writing to glorify her belief in God. Total 180. Don't worry, though, Rice remained a vocal supporter of the LGBTQ community, reproductive rights, and birth control. So maybe not a total 180. 160? Right before Hurricane Katrina, Rice moves away and completes another book in the Vampire Chronicles, Prince Lestat, a, quote, true sequel to The Queen of the Damned, and writes another book on the side. She's always writing. She moves to California in 2006 to be closer to her son, who is now a writer in Los Angeles. Then she cools off on Catholicism, literally telling news outlets, I quit being a Christian and starts to become a minimalist. Up until this point, Rice has a huge collection of antique dolls, which is a surprise to probably no one, but now she purges them all, along with lots of other things. She auctions off all of her dolls, clothes, and a bunch of collectibles on eBay in 2010 and 2011, which causes a gigantic stir with her now gigantic fan base. Imagine somebody who is world-renowned, famous, just auctioning all of her stuff on eBay because she feels like it. Anne writes three more novels in Southern California, but her health is getting worse. On December 11th, 2021, last week, two months after her 80th birthday, Rice passed away from a stroke. Her son Christopher gives a statement that's pretty appropriate for Anne Rice's life. It says, Dearest people of the page, this is Anne's son Christopher, and it breaks my heart to bring you this sad news. Earlier tonight, Anne passed away due to complications resulting from a stroke. Let us take comfort in the shared hope that Anne is now experiencing firsthand the glorious answers to many great spiritual and cosmic questions, the quest for which defined her life and career. Anne will be interred in our family's mausoleum at Met Air E Cemetery in New Orleans in a private ceremony. Next year, a celebration of her life will take place in New Orleans. This event will be open to the public and will invite the participation of her friends, readers, and fans who brought her such joy and aspiration throughout her life. That's what he said. I, of course, immediately joined her mailing list, and let's see when I'm going to New Orleans next year. It totally makes sense, kind of looking back. I was familiar with Anne Rice mm -hmm. by name, and of course, Interview of the Vampire, Village of the Damned, wasn't really my jam, mm -hmm. but culturally very aware of it, and it makes total sense that she was from New Orleans, have, having been to New Orleans relatively recently, it's mm -hmm. just a place where I can't imagine you wouldn't be affected by your surroundings one way or another and seems somewhat of a survivor and a lot of tragedy and then took that tragedy and, and moved forward with it and, and gave people a lot of things and seemed to live a pretty long life, especially considering she was in a coma. Yeah. yeah. 
Not bad, I'd say. Yes, uh, many lives. And also just, I feel like we talk a lot about people who are subject to the whims of others and the cultural climate at large. And it feels like Anne Rice would be doing this exact same thing or try to be doing this exact same thing at any point in history and time. Like she just like really, I know it's cliche to say, but lived life on her own terms. Like the idea of just being like, well, I'm a Christian and now I'm not. And then writing these Christian pieces of literature and then going back to erotic fiction, back to vampire fantasy world. And a lot of what I read from her interviews is she always wanted to be a part of the general, she wanted to be considered an author who was not niche, who was not in a genre. So I think that was part of what she wanted to do by switching throughout all these things and, and taking on all these projects. But again, she's like the queen of all the all of these genres too. And I, I remember seeing the books and they look like romance novels in a lot of ways. And they feel so like specific. So while she's trying to make a name for herself just in literature in general, she really defined that for me, defined genre writing for me. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, Get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.